0: Hello and welcome to another edition of Health Solutions with Sean and Janet Needham, where Team Needham discusses everything healthcare. I am your host, Sean Needham, along with my beautiful wife, Janet, and our producer, Lindsay. We are streaming live in the Moses Lake Professional Pharmacy Studio today. Beautiful day in Moses Lake, beautiful sunny day, kind of cold. We have definitely transitioned when it comes to weather, um, but it's all good. I love the season. So today we have Dr. Ashley... Tribulé on our show. I got that right. I don't speak French. I think that's French.
1: Yes, you did. Excellent.
0: <laughs> and I, I practiced I practiced a lot because actually Dr. Tribulé is a Moses Lake native and she graduated with our wonderful producer, Lindsay, so from high school. So that's kind of how we were introduced and she has a great story for us today. As always, you can catch us live right here on my personal Facebook account, Sean Needham's personal Facebook account. You can also catch us streaming live on the Moses Lake Professional Pharmacy YouTube site. Uh, Please subscribe to our YouTube site. If you do, you won't miss any episodes. There are 80 some episodes now, I think it's 88, 89 episodes, full episodes, but we also have multiple videos off those episodes, little one to three minute segments. So for those of you that are like me and don't have an attention span long enough for an hour episode, we've got little tiny clips on there. Um, They're great to share on Instagram and Twitter and, um, and, those those formats that don't always take the the longest videos so um please go to our youtube site like it and podcasts we are on all the podcast forms okay all's a pretty strong term um i don't i try to stay away from that term we are on most the podcast forms so iheart itunes uh soundcloud what am i forgetting spotify spotify i always forget spotify which is weird because I stream music on Spotify. So we're on all those uh, podcast forums. So please go to those podcast forums, subscribe to it, comment, comment on all those forums. Um, Please uh, let us know your feedback. We we really appreciate it. Let us know future guests you might like to have like to have on the show um, or future topics. Uh, We, we are, I, I shouldn't say limited. We have a broad, a broad spectrum of everything healthcare. So nothing I wouldn't say nothing. That's a strong word too. Um, But most things are not off limit because we um, are, we can talk about anything healthcare. So please um, check us out on all those other forums too and comment. So now back to Dr. Tribule. Dr. Tribule, you have a wonderful story, a personal story, and people love personal stories. You have a wonderful story about a personal story about why you became a naturopath because you have some health conditions yourself. So why don't you go ahead and start off our show with um, telling us that story.
1: Oh my heavens. Thank you so much for introducing me. I'm I'm glad to be here. And yes, I, I went into naturopathic medicine because of my own story. So, um, the general overview of it is I have an autoimmune condition. It's um, almost taken my life twice and it's caused me a lot of medical, um, A lot of medical consequences in terms of income and uh, a lot of my adulthood and relationships have been affected by it too, Um, but it's made me very passionate and very interested in a holistic approach towards health. So that's really why I went into natural medicine. Um, My experience is when I was growing up, I started to have skin and GI issues which was related to also a lot of the environment I grew up in and I think it, it correlates well to what we're gonna talk about today with toxic stress syndrome and a lot of the conversation we're gonna have. Um, but our environment has a big impact on our development and that I believe has a big impact on my expression of my autoimmune condition and the fulminancy of the disease. Um, I tried a bunch of different um, rheumatological medications uh, what we call DMARDs. They didn't uh, work well with me. In fact, I'm a, I'm kind of one of the sensitive ones where I had a lot of the adverse reactions in um, trying them. My immune system is different. Um, it's very different. And so when we changed or shifted, I had a lot of the side effects and I had other um, issues that come up with infections. So it was not helpful for me. So going into naturopathic medicine, I had a chance to learn both the the traditional medical sciences and the conventional medical sciences. And I didn't have the dogma of all the pharmaceutical companies making me have to learn their education programs. We got to learn more outside of the box natural science approaches. Um, and it gave me the opportunity to really look into nutritional sciences, uh, biochemical Biochemistry, understanding the body's reaction. Um, you know, we don't really look at the body's reaction as much as we conventional medicine. I think really looks more at the uh, the organisms or the the different conditions and not the body as much. and And, and uh, naturopathic functional providers really like value optimizing body's function first before going into higher force interventions. So there's a lot of opportunities um, to holistically help yourself. And actually, that's what helped me the most was uh, the basics, sleeping, uh, eating really good food. And that is generalized. A lot of people generalize what eating well is and um, even exercise. Yeah, functional exercise.
0: Well, it's a... Amazing, you said those three things, because uh, we talk about it all the time on this podcast. There's really three things that we can do to make our body healthy in general, and that's eat, exercise, and sleep. And so true, <laughs> yeah, and sleep is the most yeah. important as you as you probably know, sleep is a uh, recovery is so important. So, um yeah, I'm glad you're on because you really fit the model of our podcast. So can you tell us a little thing a, a little bit about what was in your environment that caused some of these issues? Can you tell us about that?
1: um there's a lot of things that were in my environment so my family divorced young um my mom has a lot of chronic pain challenges i don't really want to go into my mom's story very much because that's i want to you know be mindful of her her experiences and, and her her wanting to keep that private but there was a lot of things that if we talk about like for example the adverse childhood events studies, there was a lot of exposures me and my family had growing up um, given the transitions and the experiences. So I'll go into that if you like. Um, But that the upbringing and my own personality made me very sensitive to having uh, a disease expressed early on.
0: Okay, so actually, I think it's a good segue to lead into what we're talking about with toxic stress, because that's obviously a stressor. And our childhood events was a stressor whether. um, Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah.
0: So I think sometimes what we what I was thinking when you said environmental stress, I was thinking, okay, what you're talking about is, you know, possibly you grew up with a house with mold in it or, you you know, um, you know what I'm saying? So. But you're talking more about, you know, relationship Relationshipal issues when it comes to stress is that correct
1: i think in regards to this pop, the conversation we're having today yes but in general you know my philosophy and what we're taught in school is about environmental health so it is uh what we're eating what we're drinking what are what chemicals are in our environment those all affect especially kiddos uh development yeah so and relationships are underestimated it's a cultural I think suppre- it's something that we've suppressed in culture is uh, is relationships. It's something that's more insidious to see. How do you, you know, emotions? How do we talk about them? Uh, they're not physical. They're not something we can see and manipulate. There's something that we have to better understand in more of an energetic way.
0: Well, and so, I think as we have progressed our podcast and 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 progressed how we want to educate and empower patients to control their health. To those three things with eating sleeping and exercise we really have added a fourth one and really it's called relationships and relationships whether bad or good definitely affect your life so mm-hmm. those are the four things that we can really do to keep our keep us healthy so go into the you know how you got into the toxic stress and and what you do with your coaching on the on um as a naturopath
1: Yeah. So during this time, I got to open a coaching program to really help people with the transition of having to be at home and um, working together when we're used to working apart. So there's a lot of issues with mental health right now. And well, that's been something that's been an issue previously, but it's now more apparent, but also um, relationship communication and the stresses that happen within being back together as a family unit. Um, so in regards to like the definition of toxic stress, I think it's important to understand because what we're talking about is not chronic stress as an adult. I'm talking about to- like there's a difference between that and like post-traumatic stress disorder and just chronic stress than toxic stress. Toxic stress is actually something that happens in childhood that's a prolonged stress that is um, affecting the nervous system and it shapes the brain architecture in a way in a child that makes them predisposed to having physical and mental issues when they become an adult and also attracts more of the same sort of relationships. So it's it really important to understand how this shapes the nervous system and uh, from the top down and the big accesses, you know, we call it the HPA axis and the um, uh, even the hormone access with the ovaries and the testicles. Um, it's really important to understand these as they're growing and um, in, in how it is affected from uh, adverse childhood events. So the the toxic stress, something that's really helpful for people to learn about is adverse childhood events. We know that um, Adverse child Events is a, a big study from the CDC and Kaiser Permanente. They did this survey on about 17,500 adults to look at childhood adversities that then were correlated to physical and mental issues as they age. And we found that if you have more than four, you actually have like a 12 12 times increased risk of suicide. You have a double risk of depression, uh, dementia. You have immune issues, uh, autoimmune, uh, COPD, asthma is more... Um, uh, there's more incidence of that in the population with more adverse childhood events as adults. And then there's also a lot of cognitive issues. So this has huge effects on kids and learning um, with this sort of exposure young.
0: So Janet, do you have any questions for Dr. Tribulé?
2: So I'm assuming that um, COVID is, is making this a little bit higher on the charts for families and kids. Yeah. So um how is your coaching taking off from from what you were doing prior to the COVID pandemic?
1: Well this is a great question. So you know I've this is the first time I've ever been online and doing an online sort of thing. It's really taking off. Um, I was kind of nervous because online is much different than it is in private practice and it's a whole different type of marketing and everything. So, um, fortunately being a millennial, I was able to uh, apply a lot of my technology skills and marketing skills to a lot of my, um, uh, automating coaching. So it's, it's growing definitely comparing it to other businesses in the, in the growth phase. It is definitely growing and it's necessary. So tell
0: us some of the, some of the things can you, do you work with people that are in a situation like that, or is it usually after, after um, they've, you know, they're adults and they're in, a, in, uh, ha- had previous exposure to toxic stress?
1: Oh, okay. So mostly, my population I work with is adults. Uh, I like really helping adults understand how it, the toxic stress is affecting them and their life today with their relationships, for example. Um, this is something that can be regarded to like my area of interest on online coaching is teaching resilience and um, understanding chronic pain holistically and and adopting natural health strategies and self self help tools uh, through communication to better their relationships and a lot of individuals are dealing with not understanding their own maladaptive coping issues and also what like what's happening in the media today and everything else so everything in life um but my yeah my main demographic is is mostly adults to help them under uh, better teach their kids
0: so you mentioned that a lot of times with a toxic relationship possibly when they were kids they will revert back to toxic relationships as adults did, did yeah. i catch that right
1: yes so i i can i see this this is kind of anecdotal there's some research to definitely suggest there's a more vulnerable component to individuals living similar patterns. You know, the brain goes to what is familiar. And so what we learn in key times during development is what we attract in our in our um, adult life. And so it really takes us a lot more effort, coaching, mental health therapy, working with good providers that are really educating you as well as giving you different choices um, to help you make better decisions in what you're you, uh, you're doing in your life so if we have um these these mental models of i'm not good enough toxic shame i call it um we have learning deficits which also contributes to toxic shame we weren't taught how to emotionally regulate which that would be how to deal with what we're feeling which is kind of contributing to this mindfulness era that we have going on right now um, then we are more at risk for attracting the same thing. And that's why we have these families that we see, you know, hurt people hurt people.
0: So how would you deal with uh, a patient that is in, in a situation like that? Um, I mean,
1: mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. So there's two different sectors here. So the clinical... Uh, human that I have is wonderful because I have the background in understanding biology and the different mental health conditions that can contribute to a person's ability to make decisions for themselves. Like this is the di- this is the difference between mindset, motivation, and depression. Right. So if somebody's clinically depressed, you have to be able to see that as a provider to make sure you're giving them the right prioritization of different treatment options so that they could actually be successful in their uh, goals. So in the coaching. Um, program, I make it required that they've already dealt with all of their, um, they're working with a mental health counselor, or if they're on psych medications, they have a good provider. You know, I'm very well versed in that. And I do help them. I help educate individuals around their medications, but I um, make sure that I'm in, I'm communicating with the provider that they have in regards to that too. So
2: It is including not only their uh, mental health treatments, but what they can do with their Mm. own self with decisions and tools to be able to feel better
1: and heal. Yes. So like a coach, you know, the difference between a coach and a lot of people ask this question, what's the difference between a coach and a mental health counselor? Well, there's a big difference, actually. Coaches are not allowed to, if they're going to be in different states they're not trained to practice in, in um, medicine. They're not trained in diagnostic intervention, all that. Yes, I am licensed and I do have that training, but that's something I don't offer online. This is more lifestyle, um, communication skills, right. behavioral hacks, per se, to teach the things that are missing uh, in different programs that they can get from insurance reimbursed care.
2: So it's hands on things that people can apply. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yep. I give them worksheets. I give them, um, I it's all up to date neuroscience that I integrate in here. Um, a lot of natural health sciences too, but I give them nutrition. Um, I help them understand how hormones impact their, their actual decision-making. There's a, there's a lot of stuff we don't talk about in regards to mindset and motivation. And that is our physiology. Like, uh, what is, going into our decision-making and how can we actually adopt a better lifestyle to make better decisions, you know?
0: Now, can you um, expand on nutrition? So when you say you're going to help somebody with toxic stress and you're going to talk about nutrition, what would you specifically talk about? I know, I know that's very individual, so it's a broad question, Mm -hmm. but, you know, give me some examples.
1: The first thing I would talk to them about is, you know, what is your self-care routine? How are you seeing yourself and what kind of love and what kind of relationship do you have with you? Because a lot of us, especially women, we're not looking at, we're not looking at ourselves. You know, we're doing everything for everyone else. So uh, I see more women than men. I have to say that in my coaching, in my clinical practice, I see more men than women, um, But in regards to nutrition, where I would start with any gender is I would talk to them about what they're eating. You know, I'd want to kind of know how much they're eating in a day and then what kind of food groups they're eating. I'd also want to know their income and what kind of limits they have because I wouldn't want to make, um, I wouldn't want to put more stress on them by making, you know, choose organic versus non-organic foods. So I can even prioritize like the dirty dozen, for example, go for those in organic and let's strategize what works in your budget for um, more quality food. It may not be organic though.
0: Can you talk a little bit more about the dirty dozen, please?
1: Yeah, so uh, the the dirty dozen is um, all the fruits and vegetables that absorb the most pesticides that you really don't wanna get non-organic. So you're gonna absorb a lot of pesticides from them. So we see that like in grapes, we see that in strawberries, we see that in um, lettuces. I don't remember the specific food groups, but there you can just Google dirty dozen and it'll give you the food groups to really go organic with.
0: That's good to know, yeah. good to know. All right, so um, Janet, do you have more questions for Dr. Yeah. Tribule?
2: So- since we're talking about nutrition, let's move to maybe um, some tools that you use with the physical side, the, the, you know, how people are taking care of their body physically.
1: Oh, yes. If we put this in relation to toxic stress syndrome, so let's say a person, um, I'm working with an adult that had a family background of physical abuse, substance abuse, they're hitting more than four of the ACEs, which if you hit more than four again, you're going to have more risk of cardiometabolic, immune issues, and um, mental health issues. So one, I'm assessing them there in, tr- in terms of understanding their ability to comply, but also their relationship with pain. So a lot of times with people that have more than four ACEs, you see fibromyalgia, you see GI problems. This is some of the physical aspects of um, trauma, okay? Because really toxic stress is a trauma-based response over a long-term exposure. There's a spectrum here, right? So if, if I'm working with a person that has a lot of emotional pain or fibromyalgia, I'm not going to be suggesting really heavy exercises. I'm going to be suggesting more um, qigong or yoga based things, functional movement, even just movement. That way they're not pushing themselves into more pain because of lactic acid and, um, you know, then there's this behavior that happens in certain pain presentations that people, like with fibromyalgia for example, if they go work out for a couple days, then they stop because they're in more pain the next week. Right. So you have to be very mindful of that. It's good to know that because you'll, you'll build a better rapport with people if you understand their unique conditions. It's got
0: to your- be, yeah, it's got to be individual, right?
1: Yeah, it, it, it does. You really got to understand people for what they've been given. Mm-hmm.
0: And then talk, talk, speaking of pain, you've done some, uh, a lot of work on um, pain specifically, correct? On, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about that.
1: Yeah, so in private practice, I get to focus on um, regenerative-based procedures. So I got, I got to work a lot more into common musculoskeletal conditions, autoimmune conditions, osteoarthritis, um, and work with men and women in midlife transition and hormone health. So coincidentally, our hormones are majorly impacted uh, with stress, any stress, whether you're an adult that you came from a normal family upbringing, you have chronic stress in adulthood which a lot of us do um excuse me our hormones are going to still be impacted um, because those are pathways that we take cortisol from and that affects all the rest of our hormones so that's something we need to consider um but looking at the whole we are not just like osteoarthritis i don't just see as just a condition to the joint. It's an it's an inflammatory condition, and it, there are many factors that affect this. Um, but pain, in general, is also a very holistic um, condition. So we can have different types of pain. There's acute pain, but I'm talking more about the chronic pain, and these are... this has more relation to emotions. This has more relation to... Um, a lot of the things that we haven't dealt with, most of that is emotions actually. Um, it's not just like isolated to that area. And so with with this so a lot of the procedures that I was doing in clinical practice is regenerative medicine, and that included stem cells. Most of the people I'd see were in their middle life years, so about 30 to 60, both men and women. I have seen a lot of autoimmune and a lot of Uh, couples I would treat with arthritis, uh, osteoarthritis. And one thing that I draw from all that experience is that the individuals that were not getting success from a lot of the the physical treatments that I was providing them um, in my assessment, they had issues with them as a couple in their relationship and more issues. There was more background when you dug into the history of chronic abuse. So they weren't responding as well. So this got me really into the emotional aspects of chronic pain.
0: So basically, you're telling us that mental and emotionally it can mental and emotional issues can cause chronic pain.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So we have to fix those, and if we want to fix the pain, correct?
1: Yes, and you know, if we can if we can aim for prevention, that's ideal, right? If we can teach parents, you know, that substance abuse is something we need to address. Uh, we all are humans, and we have inherent mistakes. But we need to start address, you know, we should never be physical or emotionally abusive. The emotional is the most insidious because that's the one that's hard to detect. You know, when you tell your kid they're not good enough, they're not smart enough, they're, you know, it could be a a good family. But even just having that critical parent uh, telling their kid that they have to do better, they have to do better, and never being emotionally there for their kid in terms of how they're feeling, that can be a huge stressor on them. So that gives us an unequal exposure as we're in adulthood to issues with mental health but there's also in adulthood we have risk of mental health issues as well so if we don't start looking at this from a preventative mindset we're never going to get anywhere but we can also we're not fixed we can still change no matter what we were given so it's what's just, a,
0: what's there a preventative
1: physical issues going on
0: right what's a preventative mindset
1: um, it's adopting learning. It's prioritizing. I can learn. I want to learn. It's it's questioning. Why do I do what I do? Is what I'm doing right for my family? Is it right for my health? Um, you know, why do I think not talking about feelings matter? You know, is that really serving the best for my family? And am I there for my kiddo? Am I working too much? Um, it, who is my kiddo with? Um it's it's this mindset of that that's a one the first thing, but there's also a lot more providers becoming more on board with early detection measures uh, for for screening kiddos so, so that we can give them more mental and emotional support as well in their family.
2: I find this very fascinating re- raising two teenagers and and boys I think are just as susceptible to um, toxic relationships as well as girls um, yeah you know and one of the things that we uh, had to as as parents um, address is the cyber bullying the keyboard bullying and it wasn't just children it was adults as well that were mm-hmm. you know behind the keyboard saying things that should never have been said to anybody let alone to a teenager or a kid developing. So um, any tips for parents on this because you know I think with all technology that's out there that, that we're going to see more and more of this happening.
1: Yeah, actually I think that this is a great point. Thank you for bringing this up Janet. So if it's kiddos in Depending on their time of, you know, development, if they're like adolescents or, you know, more going through the teenage years, you have to remember them as in them as in their development. So it's good for parents to learn about from their pediatrician too. like ask questions or ask the pediatrician if they don't have the time for information about how do I understand my kid in their unique timing of development. And then how can I start to have conversations with my kiddo like at dinner or something in a routine fashion that starts to talk about the stuff that, so that you kind of be the buffer uh, for that content? Because really kids need what they need is one primary parent that holds that space for them to help them emotionally regulate, to help them understand. I mean, it the earlier it, the better. Once it's past seven, it could be arguable that their brain is already so conditioned to chronic stress but I mean what you're talking about here is cultural changes that we can't protect our kids from necessarily because we all are all on social media right um, yeah but I think it starts the most easiest place is to be proactive as the parent in understanding what they're exposed to and and bringing up the conversations because that you can't expect your kid to do that they they need to be taught that and with boys, you make a great, um, you bring up a great point here because it it's a cultural norm for boys not to be emotional, and that is a big problem. I think that is a big problem, and it speaks to why uh, United States has more than fifty percent of marriages ending in divorce. Men and women have biological differences in their brains. And that's a hormonal relationship. But then we have environmental changes that are changing our brains and our hormones are changing. So we have more PCOS in women. One in 10 reproductive women have higher testosterone than they ever had before. And that has direct behavioral effects. And that has direct communication effects. Boys now, on the contrary, have uh, hypogonadism. There's a lot more hypogonadism in our environment. What that means is lower testosterone. And that affects a male's assertiveness. And so we have to be thinking about all these things that are affecting us in terms of our brain and behavior really it comes down to that, too. It's not just one thing, but parents really need to the best thing parents can honestly do is ask questions and be assertive with that, especially with pediatrics. Um, you know, it's, it's a doctor's job to help inform you guys of what kind of resources there are.
0: Well, I can tell you, you know, we specialize at Moses Lake Professional Pharmacy. We specialize in hormone replacement. And it is astonishing to me to see how many 20 year old kids, 20 year old men, I said kids just because I'm getting older, I guess, and my kids are that age. But it's astonishing to me to see how many 20 year old men have testosterones in the toilet. And we're talking to total testosterone of like 200 and they're you know they're 20 years old Um, and on the contrary how many women have issues of pcos and they have high you know high androgens and yet so then they don't cycle and they can't get pregnant um can you explain those are two different questions really or two different situations but can you explain why you think that's going on
1: oh this is definitely environmental I think there are many factors here, but one of the biggest ones are the, the, the toxic chemicals we're exposed to. So um, we have the over 50,000 environmental toxicants in the U.S. There is very little regulation in environmental um, toxicants and, and also cosmetics. So um, there's that piece, but we also know it's been documented in men that their testosterone, uh, their total serum testosterone has been declining every decade. Okay. So they're starting with lower reserves. And that's actually really important to understand because this has a key, um, influence on brain development, uh, dementia and depression. So it's like the real, this has a huge impact on behavior. One, if you're not motivated, how are you going to be behaving in terms of food? Right? So we end up self-sabotaging in food a lot of times, um, or we're not going to lose weight. And right now we're dealing with the crisis of 40, uh, 43% of our society in the U.S. is obese, right? And all this hormonal changes, there's, there's the adverse childhood events that play into this because that changes the stress pathways, but that's not happening to everyone. Not everyone's exposed. You know, 63% of the population across all demographics, whether you're rich or poor, have at least one adverse childhood event occur in their uh, childhood. But if you're exposed to way more of those, your risk of these hormone changes is higher. But then there's all this other stuff with our food. Our food is a big one too, right? Our food is, we, we have so much um, chemicals in our food. Since people have lost what food is about. Food is supposed to be our gas to our car you wouldn't put dirty oil in your car and that's hard to tell a brain that's developing when they've been given all the sugar all this easy stuff that you know parents didn't really know because modern marketing is all about hacking the brain right modern marketing has faulty. it's it's been in America the biggest problem they've tacked they've they've used brain tactics to hack our brain and manipulate us to easily go into the you know path of ease of wanting to eat lots of good foods and um but aren't good for us. Yeah we just lost we've really lost in the sight of why we need to eat too. So I can get on a big tantrum on this.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, I, I love it. I love I'm, it. We deal I'm, with it all the time with
2: you too because um I was fortunate to at least grow up with parents that were able to have their you know our own food supply was what we generated so um i i feel that fast convenient and not close to nature is is where we've lost some of the nutrients that we need for development um and i I think it's it's a big problem and and it's it's leading down our health and emotional, um, you know, over through this whole um, course of the COVID pandemic, you know, Sean and I have been saying, you know, one of the biggest problems in our country is really cardiac disease. And that comes from our eating habits and obesity and not having good um, help uh, with our physical health as well as our sleeping. So all these things kind of correlate together. Um, But I also feel that, Um, and and this is maybe off the subject slightly, but I think physically when we think of the differences in child uh, development, I think there's a change between what happened, you know, in my generation growing up and movement. um, We moved a lot more. Um, And I think there's something to be said about that too with kids that they need motion. So if we're not getting them away from their electronics and and getting them outdoors and moving, then I think there's problems with that too. I mean, any, any comments that you might have on that?
1: Oh, it's absolutely foundational. Um, a lot of the stuff that I studied in neurosciences is functional neurology. and And this is in regards to network models. So your sensory input affects your motor output so if you're um not using key movement systems you're going to have a different cerebellum' you're, you know these areas that play into cognition we know now that the cerebellum plays into cognition um, and learning you know we need to be as integrated as possible with our nervous system and sound and taste and touch uh it, but movement's huge um also movement helps us get out cortisol It helps us burn through cortisol. I kind of like to explain it that way. And it helps with sleep as well. So if we are not moving and we are not, and we have more cortisol production, then that just plays into this whole path of maladaptive behavior. So it's, you know, Janet, a great point here. This is, this is super important stuff. Like, yes, we're, we're, it's important to go back to tradition. But it's also important to notice how much we've adapted. You know, a lot of our primitive responses, like the fight or flight responses that happen today are not the same as what it was when we were fighting against lions and tigers when we're living out in the forest. Right. Right. We need to understand those and we need to also learn how to uh, unlearn those affecting us. Well, and and one of,
0: of absolutely. And one of our primitive responses and adaptations was, you know, being able to store extra calories. And now mm-hmm. for, 43% of Americans store too many extra calories. And that's why we have an obesity problem. So that's really how we've adapted, but not adapted is, um, you know, our, our bodies are, are trained well to store fuel to, you know, to store fuel for an emergency. And unfortunately, most of us store too much of it. So um, movement can help that. Nutrition can help that. And another thing I just want to tack on is that, you know, movement, exercise stimulates testosterone production in men. I'm, I'm sure it does in women too. I know the yeah. study that, that, that talks about yeah. it in men. So if, you know, you're, you know, if boys are sitting in front of a video game playing video games all day long or even adult men that play video games all day long. Um, you know, you can't really expect their testosterone, you know, to be stimulated as much as they would be if they were going to the gym or doing, or doing any kind of workouts, because, um, that would definitely optimize their testosterone more than playing video games. And on that all, right. And all that on that, on the, uh, issue with pcos movement also is 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 important you know pcos um there's a lot of insulin resistance there and metabolic syndrome there and a lot of times that's due to obesity and hypothyroidism and movement can help both of those so it just you know and depression uh, you know we've talked about in the show many times there is no better antidepressant than exercise period
1: yeah, because the BDNF uh, production, and that actually not only is it antidepressive, it also is helping the neurons um, connect better, and and also growing new neurons. Some of the stem cells we've learned about now. Um, you know, this is this is some really good. You guys have a lot of information, and I'm I'm really glad to be talking about this with you guys. Um,
0: well, thank you. Something thank you for being to on. Mention really
1: quick, though, about yeah. about the hormone issue. So we shouldn't be blaming people about this. We really want to start to to talk about um, how we can optimize our body and sweating. Right, sweating too, because that gets rid of all of these toxins that are affecting our mental health. Okay. Um, but obesity isn't just a one shot cause like overabundancy in food. Yeah. There, there's the environmental issues. There's right with when I say environmental, there's the toxic stress. You know, what were you raised in? Uh, where were you raised? What kind of materials are you around? What are you putting on your skin? Um, and then what are how are you living? What's your lifestyle like as an adult? Are you eating a lot of bad food? Are you working 12, 14 hour days, seven days a week? Um are you in a relationship that's invalidating and not emotionally there? All those things are important to consider. It's not just one thing.
0: Yeah, it's 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 a multitude that is for mm-hmm. sure. Um, and that's one of the things that we do on this podcast. We want to educate and empower individuals that they're in charge of that. Uh, one yeah. thing that we were, one thing that we were doing that I wanted to mention is um, our wonderful pharmacist uh, Rachel through Moses Lake Professional Pharmacy. She started a. She is spearheading what we're calling the Dumpster Fire Challenge 2020. Actually, we didn't call it that. She found that. And what it is is it's just a challenge to start moving. And it's a 20-day challenge where you try to you try to go a mile a day for 20 days. So you can go a mile a day either by walking, running, rowing, biking, whatever that is. And it's just to start off the uh, healthy pattern of movement and then just progress from there because it is movement is so important.
1: Mm -hmm. It really is. And it doesn't have to be rigorous. No, it, small steps. You know, it, you know, we want to set ourselves up for success, so
0: right? And, and small that's,
1: steps. <laughs>
0: absolutely, it's it's all about baby steps, and that's yeah. why, you know, that's why we're doing this twenty miles in twenty days. It's very, and that's very very achievable for pretty much anybody, and and then any kind of program does have to be, um, you know, tailored to an individual. And that's why it's important to. Um, you know, to talk to uh, professionals that know about tailoring programs like that, because you know maybe a mile a day is not enough for some individuals if they're, um, you know, if they're more in, more advanced in in um, exercise.
1: Mm-hmm. So, are you guys doing this in groups?
0: Yeah, it's group. We have a we have a Facebook group started, and um, I think we have 20, 20 some people doing it now, and I'm super excited. You get a T-shirt. Um, and, and a medal when when you um finish i think mm-hmm. the actual start date is November 2nd and we would love for you to um you know just send people our way promote it. it you don't have to do it you don't have to be in moses lake to do it um you know you could do it wherever you're located we've got people from all over the nation that have accepted now so um we're just we just want to we just want to promote health and wellness I think lindsay is streaming that there ah
1: yeah, dumpster fire guys yeah. do this yeah
0: so, that's what we're doing.
2: So, Ashley, I have a, a question for you. Um, so, when you are counseling in um, patients that didn't um, improve with your stem cell treatment with the chronic pain, and and you dug into their relationship, and there were some toxic things there, um, obviously, sometimes we can't avoid things, but mm-hmm. how do how did you help them cope or heal or deal with the toxicity that was there so, so their body could heal and get out of the pain or the emotional and mental pain that, that was causing physical harm?
1: Yeah, so this goes back to individual. Nothing is – you can't really apply everything to one person. Right. Um, so there's a spectrum to this. So if there's somebody I was seeing in chronic pain with bipolar They need to be very managed on their medications so that they have, um, the insight to start self-reflecting. So why I bring that up is because each person in their individualism may have a different need and it takes a really, um, well-informed clinician to kind of piece out if they're ready for what you're going to give them. And so... Some of my most challenging cases were people on five or more medications, and it e- sometimes it just took me to really dig in to help them make sure their medications with their provider was well, so that they they can then start making small steps and self care for themselves.
0: Speaking of toxic stress, yes. is that problems? It's how we engage with our problems. It's how we identify problems and how we react to them, and you know, we should embrace problems because, for instance. Yeah. The problem with you being logged off on, you know, off of our off of our call today, um, well, you know what? We should embrace that and say, well, it's great. At least we have internet. You know, yeah. it's great at least that we have a way to talk to you through video conference. So instead of getting upset and. Um, and 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 overreacting about it, we should embrace problems. And I think that's one thing. I read a book about that. I can't remember the book, but we should embrace problems. Like I got another personal story. Um, my wife and I are driving home Friday from work, and tire goes completely flat. It's it's about ready to fall off the rim. I go ahead and drive to Les Schwab to get the tire fixed. And you know, instead of getting upset, you know, I just think about you know what. At least I have a car to replace tires on. So we should be as
1: attitude, attitude, right? right. Yes. Or
0: another one, this is even a more simple one, but there was, I get mad at gophers every season because gophers tear up my lawn and I love my lawn and (laughs) gopher tears up the lawn. And so I'm going there and I'm putting gopher poison out there and there's a big mound of dirt. I'm thinking, you know what? At least I have a house with a yard with lawn that I get to kill gophers. So, embrace the problems. That's a good problem to have. And most all of our problems, most every problem that we face is a good problem to have. It's all in how you react and how you embrace them and face them.
1: Yes. So, I have the very privilege of one, going through an immense amount of problems and overcoming that. So, I know what it's like from, you know, poverty out and with a health condition, too. And then going through medical school. and making it out of that and being successful in it. So something that I do think is important to acknowledge, though, and people really want more validation in, in this is, is that we all have different layers and amounts of problems. And there is some unfair disadvantage. But if you make the decision today that you have a goal in your life, you can achieve that by allowing yourself to do the work. and it requires that commitment. That's the first commitment is I am wanting a different life where I'm at. Maybe I'm just broke in an abusive, physical and emotionally abusive relationship. And that is not the life you deserve. That's the first step to know. And that is not your fate. You can get out of that, but it requires very, a lot of, um, directed, goal-oriented and not to not be alone in your work. That's why providers are in coaches. And, um, I, you know, if you're in an acute abusive relationship, that's certainly something you want to work with a therapist or a psychiatrist with. But in general, a coach is great to help you get out of these things because coaches have all these adversities that they've overcome and they can give you their process in addition to the, the sciences that they use.
0: I love it. I love it, Ashley. That's a great way to end up this show. I think that was just like, Perfect transition. So I love it. So we're going to sign off for today. Um, uh, Tune in when. Thursday, our, our midweek podcast, we will have Dr. Paul Thomas. He is a doctor that still makes house calls. He sent out a, you can look him up, Paul Thomas on YouTube, Dr. Paul Thomas house calls and look him up and his, his video went viral because he, he still makes house calls. I'm super excited to have him on. And so tune in and uh, as always um, tune in next Monday at one to 2 PM, just like you did today. We totally appreciate it. Ashley, thank you for being on today. You have been listening My to. Pleasure. Hold on. Hold, hold on. on.
2: How do we, ha- if our oh, listeners yeah, yeah, yeah. are Sorry. interested in your services, Ashley, how would they contact you?
1: Oh, absolutely. Just go to com. That's the first place to go. And I have uh, complimentary consults on there.
0: Awesome. I think our producer, Lindsay, is streaming that right now. Yeah. And all right. Awesome. Thank you so much, Ashley. We appreciate it. You've been listening to Health Solutions with Sean and Janet Needham. Thank you so much for tuning in today.